Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's stand together, let's take our songbook, and let's turn to number 542. 542. Let's sing, Tell So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. 542. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I tell you, you God God's good to you, brother. Because you took a hard lick. You you look a whole lot better than you did the other day. Amen. And I Amen. I'm sure I'm sure that I'm sure it was rough on everybody involved. Amen. Praise God. We're glad you back so Amen. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Prayer requests? Yes, Bonnie. Okay. All right. Others? Okay. Did y'all get any news this mail? Okay. All right. Well, we're praying that all that you get good news. We're praying everything just worked out and get things straightened out about your leg. Amen. Well, y'all be praying for her that she gets feeling back in her leg. I don't know if everybody knows what's going on, but with her hip surgery she had, they just can't get her nerves working back in her leg right, so she can't feel her foot when she's walking. And that's a weird feeling to walk and not be able to feel your leg. But, and when she does feel it, it's just nerve pain, am I right? So pray for her that, that she'll get some relief from that. Anybody else? Any others? Scott needs prayer. I don't know. I haven't talked to Scott this morning, but I know that he I know that he needs prayer and, and I know if he if he was able to be here with us, he'd be here with us. He surely wants to be. But it's always you know, MS is just constantly changing and he don't ever know what's gonna be one day the next. So please pray for him that, that God gives him some, some grace and some healing in that and he's able to have some good days and be back with us soon. Anybody else? All right. Yes, Tim. All right. Okay. All right. Um, trying to think. I know my friend Carl Cullum. Pray for him this morning. Um, I had I had I had asked you to pray for the the group that was going to Africa. They they flew back in yesterday. And they made it back and they're testifying in the church this morning. And all the wonderful things God did and all the people that got to lead Christ in Africa while they were over there. And, and they were also on a health mission and things of that nature and feeding people. And God used them tremendously. I know you don't know them, but they're, all, but they're friends of mine. And I just give God the glory that he was able to use them in such a way. Um, anybody else? Anything else? Yes. Okay. Pam White. All right. Sure will. While we're standing, while we're while we're up on our feet and all this, just want to say Happy Father's Day this morning to all the dads in the room and all the dads that are listening in uh, by way of Blog Talk Radio and on Facebook Live this morning. I, I just want to say I'm, I'm very blessed. Uh, I had some of my sons take me out to lunch yesterday and got to visit with them, and, and it's just it's just a blessing to be a dad. I, I, there's, it's one it's the second greatest job I've ever had in this world. Of course, being a preacher, being called by God, that's the greatest. But being a dad the second greatest job I ever had. And I do what I thank God. I thank God for the for, for the men he put in my life. My own dad, he was a he, he wasn't the best example of how to how to live and, and God took him early, but but he was good to me in ways and I thank God for him. I had great grandparents, both of them were extremely godly men and loved the Lord and set an example that I'll never live up to. And uh, I said this morning on a Facebook post, you know, all the men that I used to look up to and admire, they're all in heaven now. And so Father's Day don't mean nothing to them anymore. But uh, but it means something to me because I got kids and I got grandkids, and I sure am thankful for them, and they sure make my life better. And I'm 
And if you're a dad this morning, you know what a reward it is to be a dad. And, and it's one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. So congratulations, and I hope your day's blessed. And I hope your kids, your grandkids, tell you how much they love you and appreciate you because there ain't nothing better in this world than hearing it from them. So anyway, happy Father's Day to you. Amen. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Let's ask God to meet with us. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Jesus died for my sins. 
Sunday school teacher was playing the bass. He's been he's been gone for a good many years. But uh, anyway, I happened to hear myself singing a, a special that, that I hadn't done in a long, long time. And y'all know the song, but the melody is a little different. I'm not afraid of 
Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. That one seemed to fit. First Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. Hey, man, I got one for you this morning that you don't really want to hear. <laughs> hey, Amen. Y'all don't want to hear this one. I assure you, you don't want to hear this one. But it's okay. Hey, Amen. It'll be all right. We'll get through it. I'll make it brief as I can. How about that? I'll make it quick. Like a band-aid, just pull it right off. That way it won't hurt long. Amen. All right. Well, let's get into it this morning. It won't be that bad. We just we just talked church finances not too long ago, and we're going to basically talk them again this morning, and I know that wasn't what y'all wanted to come to church and hear about, but we're going to be here anyway. Understand that 1 Corinthians is a book of correction. It is a book of, of, of I'd say, verbal chastisement. Uh, the Apostle Paul is he's getting his frustrations out with his church. Chapter 9 is really a telling off chapter. Paul is going off on them. He's letting them know exactly how he feels about things. And quite honestly, it's about time. After <laughs> after eight chapters of the way they've been behaving, I'm not surprised one bit that he hadn't popped the cork earlier. But he's again, this is not to do with what they're doing, but their view of him. And so let's just kind of just for just for the sake of everybody that's here this morning, let me just kind of briefly, very briefly, kind of touch on what we've been talking about in case you hadn't been here you missed some or whatever. But chapter 5, we were in chapter 5, and chapter 5 is all about fornication, about the warnings against fornication. And then after we got out of chapter 5, we got into chapter 6, and chapter 6, it warned us of the need to have proper judgment. Then chapter 7 outlines God's rules for marriage, and we talked about God's rules for marriage and divorce. We dealt with that, and then chapter 8 we were on last week, and again, I stopped for donuts this morning, and I've seen the two little plastic Buddhist idols or whatever they are, Hindu idols up on top of the Coke box up there. I thought about saying something again this morning, but I didn't. I was in a hurry. But uh, anyway, but we talked about idols in chapter 8, and now in chapter 9, Paul is going to defend his authority as an apostle. And I can tell you that this church didn't like being corrected. Nobody does, really. Nobody goes, oh, well, we're going to correct it today. Hallelujah. Uh, nobody likes it because that means you're wrong, and nobody likes to be wrong, do they? Amen. I don't. I'm telling you that right now. I do not like to be wrong, and I especially don't like somebody else telling me I'm wrong. Now, if God tells me it's different, when somebody else tells me, I'm like, well, who are you? But, because you're wrong, too. But, but anyway, Paul has a right to tell them these things because of his position. He is an apostle. We're going to read. I'm going to, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to read uh, verses. Well, no, we're not, because that will take more time. We're going to pray, and we're going to get started. That's what we're going to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. And I thank you, Father, for your love for, for your church. I thank you, Lord, for your love for man. And I'm thankful that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on that cross and bear our sin debt and pay our sin debt and and 
the Lord meet the, the requirements that you laid out, Father. He satisfied your wrath. And Lord, you, he was able to cry out, it is finished because all of our sins were on Calvary. All of our sins, ones we haven't even committed yet, folks that hadn't even been born yet who commit sins, all of those sins were on Calvary. And every one of them was paid for. And Lord, that's why it's a gift. That's why anybody can have it. And, Lord, I'm telling you like you don't know that. Lord, they need to know that. Lord, anybody who doesn't know that needs to know the gift of God that you have for them, eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm so thankful to have been washed in that precious blood some 47 years ago. Thankful today that, Lord, even though I haven't been as faithful as I ought to be unto you, you've been faithful to me every step of the way. And, Lord, I ask you to be faithful to me again this morning. Fill me with your spirit. Use me, Father. Have me to say the things that ought to be said in the way that it ought to be said. And, Lord, I pray for those that hear it, that they'll receive it in the way that you intend for them to. Speak to hearts. Lord, there may be matters that are not even related to this message that you're able to deal with through this message. So, Lord, whatever the need is, wherever it is, Father, apply the medicine where it's most needed. And, Lord, we know that you're the great physician. You know what to do. So, Lord, we entrust it to you. We thank you and we ask you to move now in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. It's good to be in church and good to have the Word of God open in front of me. First Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 and 2 to begin there. Paul asks these questions. He says, am I not a disciple? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ in the Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of my apostleship are ye in the Lord. Now, why in the world is he saying Well, as we read last week in chapter 8, you remember last week what chapter 8 was about. They were bringing, they, they, they were dealing with the fact that they're living in a pagan world with people who are sacrificing meat to idols, and it's all around them, and they never know from one meal to the next. whether to eat it and, and possibly violate their own conscience or, or not eat it. And, and Paul said, hey, it's idols or nothing. It ain't nothing but a piece of rock. It ain't nothing but a piece of metal. It ain't nothing but a piece of wood. And it ain't going to affect that meat one bit. And I know that and you know that. But basically the whole message wraps up in this. Even though we know that that idol can't do nothing to that meat, if that, if our eating that is going to cause a weak brother who used to be an idolater to keep from serving God, to keep from going forward in his faith, because he looked at that as a vile thing still, that I shouldn't eat that meat no matter what happens. Somebody said, well, Paul, you can do anything you want to, man. you got liberty, brother. You can do anything you want to. It's under the blood, man. Paul said, I know that. It doesn't change my belief in my name to be kind to my brother and not hurt my brother. So I'm going to... I'm going to deny myself a liberty I have in order to care about somebody else and not hurt them. I'm not going to just go around and parade my liberty. I'll do what I want to. It don't make any difference. You can do what you want to. I'm going to do what I want to because what I'm doing may hurt you. And so that's where he comes from, and he's rolling into chapter 9 with the same idea, but he's got a different topic in mind. Because the first question, I'll tell you what it is. He said, am I not an apostle? Here's the problem. As Paul went about the work of the ministry, he not only met with opposition 
from those outside the church. Of course, we know that as we read the book of Acts. Everywhere he went, he was, somebody was trying to kill him. They were trying to lock him up. They are trying to do all kinds of mean things to him. He, he dealt with mean and nasty people everywhere he went because people hated him for Christ's sake. They didn't hate him because they just didn't like little men who were Jewish. They, they hated him because of Christ. And so he not only met for opposition outside the church, but he met with a lot of discouragement from within the church. You would think that he would, that would be his, his place of, uh, of, of rest, that would be a respite for him from the rest of the world, but no. He, he dealt with a lot of trouble inside the church. You know, and, and what kind of trouble? Well, he was constantly under criticism. He had false brethren in the church who questioned his credentials as an apostle. They said, you're, gonna, you're, 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 you're not one of the twelve. You're not one of those. You're not like Peter. You're not none of those. They worked hard to ruin his character. They worked hard to destroy his reputation. These are people within the church of Corinth. Corinth was a place where he had done a whole lot of good and he deserved better treatment than he got. But yet there were some in that church that caused him great uneasiness. Now I want you to understand something, and, and some of you might know this, and some of you might not know this, but it ain't nothing new for a preacher to get some ill treatment. <laughs> Preachers is treated bad. There's a lot of them that, 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 that gets treated in a bad way. And... And I know there are some bad preachers who probably deserve it. But there are some who are trying to do everything they can to, to serve the Lord, and yet they still get treated with ill treatment in return for being a blessing to the congregation. They're trying to do something to be a blessing, and others take it wrong, and they give them, they give them grief about it. Uh, they get grief and they get treated bad for being faithful to the Word of God. You say, well, I don't like what you preach. Well, I'm sorry, that's the Word of God. Okay? Well, it hurt my feelings. Well, it's still the Word of God. Amen? Well, it made me uncomfortable. It's still the Word of God. I can't help it. That's my job. My job is to preach the Word of God. And if you don't like it, then I guess you have to get glad. Amen? Because get glad in the same riches you got bad in. It won't hurt you. Amen? Oh, preacher, you say, whether you like it, lump it, bump it, or jump it, it's still the Word of God. Don't make no difference what you do with it. Amen? Doesn't change it a bit. But and, and he was and again, preachers get treated bad for having powerful moving service. I remember being in a service one time, and I think I told you this, but we were sitting on the front row, it was a Ruston Baptist
Driveway a couple of days later, met a log truck in the middle of the highway, splattered him. Now, why'd I tell you that? Don't do good to criticize what God's doing. It's not a healthy thing for you to, to run down or treat people bad who are trying to serve God. God doesn't generally bless those who try to destroy what He's doing and attack His, his people. Amen? But that was what was going on in that church. You had people attacking Paul, you had people trying to ruin Paul, you had people trying to stop Paul. And some among the Corinthians, they questioned if they didn't completely disown his, apost- his apostolic character, that he was an apostle. At his office, they said, you know, we don't really believe you are an apostle. We don't really believe you are the teaching too. I mean, you wouldn't want to play Jesus did. I mean, here you come along and saying you're an apostle and everything, but, but them other apostles, they don't run with you. I mean, you, you own your own, man. We don't really believe you are one. Well, let's look. To, let's look this morning, the next few minutes, on this on this subject that Paul is dealing with. I want. I want to look at first of all. Paul addresses the freedom and the rights that Bible believing God calls ministers. That's really what he's talking about. He's talking about his liberty in Christ as a God called minister. In verses one, in verse one, there he says, "Am I not an apostle? Am I not free?" Have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, see Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Now, up until this point in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul had been answering their questions. But now in chapter 9, he's going to retort with 20 questions of his own. This whole chapter, he has 20 questions of them. Now, like I said, he's, the, the book is him, the letter is him answering their questions they have written him about. So he's throwing some questions right back at him. He says, number one, am I not an apostle? In order to answer that question, we need to ask the question, what is an apostle? I bet there's some folks who don't even know what an apostle is. And that's okay if you don't, because I'm going to help you this morning. Y'all may have even heard of somebody somewhere locally or somewhere that you've been traveling on a sign somewhere that calls themselves an apostle. There's plenty of those. Apostolic churches. Y'all have heard of an apostolic church? Apostolic churches have men behind the pulpits that call themselves apostles. You know, I could start calling myself Dr. Teague. I'm Dr. Teague. But that, that doesn't make that doesn't give me a degree, does it? If I call myself Dr. Teague. I could start calling myself Daffy Duck, but that won't help me swim or grow feathers either. I can call myself anything I want to. You know? But the truth of it is, you have to have the qualifications to be a, an apostle. Uh, there aren't any apostles today, okay? Luke 6, 13 through 16, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through a long, drawn-out thing with this because I know y'all want to go home today, and I do too, and I told you I'd try to be brief. So let's read Luke 6, 13 through 16. And when it was day, this is Jesus they're talking about, he called unto him his disciples. Now, there were disciples at that point, which means they were disciplined ones, which means they were following him. A disciple, that just meant, what it literally means is a little Christ. That's what a Christian means. Christian means little Christ. A disciple, is a, it means a disciplined one or a follower. So it's, they were all these people following Christ. So out of all these people that were following Christ, the Bible says of them he chose 12, whom he named apostles. Apostles were messengers. 
Apostles carry the message. Uh, Simon, whom they also call named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. Now, what what is an apostle? What are the qualifications? Well, they have to be chosen by the Lord himself. Okay? So somebody today who says, well, I'm an apostle, I say hogwash, you weren't chosen by the Lord himself. Now, I was called to preach. I was driving around the loop one day, it was an afternoon, and I just got off a roof with my brother and and I don't know, all red road, I was talking about this the other night, coming around the loop, and I was passing the shopping center there, and just as I passed the Burger King, going around the loop toward Clarksville Street in Paris, God said, Brandon, you need to preach. He didn't say it out loud, or I'd have jumped out of the pickup truck and said I'd run around the loop, okay? He said it to me in my heart, and I realized that it wasn't me thinking, because I wasn't thinking about that at all. I had not even had a thought about preaching, but I had been praying, God, show me what you want me to do. I had been in Wednesday night meeting after Wednesday night meeting because at the time I was a member of Spring, uh, Spring Lake Baptist Church in Paris, and they had a Wednesday night prayer meeting every Wednesday night, a big long prayer list. Every Wednesday night I, I, I brought up the full church. I know God wants me to do something. I know he's called me to do something. I just don't know what it is. I want you to pray for me. Please pray for me and show me that God will show me what he wants me to do. So that day, when as soon as I heard in my heart, Brandon, I want you to preach. I drove straight to the church. I drove, walked in, sat down, brought a lane park's office, brought a lane God wants me to preach. I just fell right into it. But God chose me. God called me, but he didn't call me to be an apostle. He called me to be a preacher of the gospel. Okay? So what else? Because so, anybody, I mean, hey, a lot of people are chosen by the Lord, but what else? But you have to be a witness to the Lord's ministry. You have to have been with the Lord during his ministry. You had to have been there to see the whole thing. Okay? So, people today, they weren't there. There's no way that you can say they, they were with the Lord because they weren't. So that that, that that kicks a whole lot of people out today, who all of them, matter of fact, who claim to the apostles. And then you have the other problem. When you have Judas, you have Judas, who Jesus called a devil. In John 6, 7, he said, Judas is a devil. All right? According to Jesus, he called him that, and then Judas killed himself. The Bible tells us that he went and hanged himself. There's another part where it says he fell headlong and his, and his bowels spilled out. So evidently he either, he either hung himself poorly and he fell from his hanging position and fell in his and, and he, he was burst asunder, the Bible says. So, you know, I think, I think here's how it happened. I think he hung up there until he rotted. And then he fell, and he burst asunder when he hit the ground because he was swollen up from having hung there. I think that's what really happened, but I don't want to get too graphic. I already got too graphic anyway. Let's let's keep moving. But uh, anyway, so what happened when, when when Judas died? What did Peter and the rest of the disciples do? They said, "Oh, hey, we can fix this real quick. Let's go get the die. Let's throw the die and see if we can figure out who's who's sick." That's essentially what they did. They cast lots which I think were like sticks, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe similar to, like, number two pencils have different sides on them that they would roll and throw down on the ground, and they have different things on them. I don't know. I've never cast lots. But, but it, was a, it was a way of kind of gambling. It was like rock, paper, scissors, whatever. However you looked at it, it was a way of them coming up with an answer. So they had two guys. They had Matthias and uh, Matthias, however you say it, and Barsabbas, Justice, called Barsabbas. And so they're going to try to pick between them, so they, they roll their cast their lots and it fell on Matthias. But here's the thing. Find me one place in the Bible where it says God used him at all. Did anything with him. You won't find it. 
It's not in there. I don't believe God used him. You know why I don't believe God used him? Because I don't believe God picked him. I believe Peter, who often was too impulsive and jumped the gun and said, hey, fellas, I know what we'll do. Let's do this. He jumped out of the boat and took off walking on the way. Don't remember that? You remember Jesus saying, hey, Peter, come to me on the water? Never happened. We always brag on Peter for walking on the water. God I mean, what, anytime Jesus says, hey, I'm going to be crucified, hey, Lord, not so, not so. Get behind me, get me behind me, Satan. But Peter's always jumping up and doing the wrong thing, and I believe he did the wrong thing here when he picked Matthias out. And the reason I say that is because what happened in Acts chapter 9? Paul's on his donkey. He's trotting off to Damascus. He's going to round up Christians and bring them back, throw them in jail, and, and probably beat them over the head with stuff and, and treat them real rude. And all of a sudden, God sent a high beam light out of heaven, and Paul jumps down off his donkey and falls flat on his face and starts start talking to him, don't even know he's talking to him. And he says, it's me, Jesus, whom I persecuted. Prayed that day. All right? Now, Paul got saved that day, but that's not the end of it. Paul then became the 12th apostle to replace Judas, and I'll show you that in a minute. But anyway, uh, he, he asked the question. He said, am I not free? 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. Paul asked the question, am I not free? Now, what does he mean, am I not free? He means, don't I have rights? Don't I have liberty? Look, I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have some, I, I believe I have some authority here. I believe I have some Exusia, y'all remember that word, right? Right? Dunamis and exusia, dynamite and, and authority. He has exusia, he has authority, and he's saying, I've got it, look, I've got authority. But I want you to listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians 8 9. He said, But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. That's what I said when I started this morning. We as Christians need to be careful. That even though we have liberty in the Lord, that we don't buy our liberty to hope Revelation 
of Jesus Christ. So Jesus revealed all these things to Paul after he got saved. Now, if you look down in verses 15 through 17, it says, Pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. He said, Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. I didn't go talk to the brother disciples. I didn't go, I mean, the apostles. I didn't go talk to them. He said, oh, He said, Neither, and even when I went up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. So I didn't go there. I didn't talk to people there in Damascus. He said, but I went into Arabia. I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Now, he was in Arabia for three years. Three years passed before he came back to Damascus. What was he doing in those three years? The Lord revealed himself unto him. That's what the Bible teaches us. So he didn't have the three and a half years. years with him personally and taught him there so that he could go forth and be, be the apostle to the Gentiles. So he asked the third, the fourth question, are you not my work in the Lord? What have you done? He raised up a church in Corinth. He had, he had led all these people to salvation. He said, look, you're questioning my apostleship. You guys are saved. How do you think you got saved? I mean, if I had to come and done this work that God sent me to do, the work of an apostle, how would y'all have even been saved? Verse 2 says, If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you for the seal of mine apostleship, are ye in the Lord? The Jews from Jerusalem, they might not accept Paul. And and maybe maybe neither those who travel with Peter, but the but the Corinthian church, look, y'all know me as your apostle, he's saying. Again, in Romans eleven thirteen, he said, For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. He said, look, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. The rest of them are not. Those 11 are not. But God called me to be the apostle to the Gentiles. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Again, the fact that you're saved, you Corinthian Christians, the fact that you're even saved proving my point. Verse 3, mine answer to them that do examine me is this. When he says mine answer, he literally means my the word examine is the word used for legal inquiry. The Corinthians, they had they kind of placed him on the defense at their bar of judgment or criticism. He's kind of in the defense, over in the defense spot there in the plaintiff. I mean, they're on the attack. They're in the prosecutor's spot. He, he's got to defend himself of, of what he's done for Christ. And he said, my defense, my answer is this. Well, what is your answer? He said that I was I was the instrument God used to bring you salvation. Look, that's, that's first and foremost. To be bound down to a rock somewhere if I hadn't showed up. And you're criticizing me and accusing me and questioning me. Second Corinthians twelve twelve, it says, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now Signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Y'all tell me who they were for. Somebody help me. Who were the signs and wonders for? Thank you, Mama. Because the Jews, the Bible says, require signs. This is Jesus Greek seek after wisdom. So there were Jews, remember when he say, when he went to Corinth, he went into the synagogue first. Jews got saved, and when the rest of them denied him, he 
said, I'll go to the Gentiles. So he went to the Gentiles. So you have a Corinthian church that's full of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Okay, so he, when he's saying these other signs that I did, these signs of an apostle that were wrought among you, in signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. It also says that about Jesus. Peter says that about Jesus over in Acts when he's preaching on Christ. Those were not for the Gentiles that believed, but for the Jews that believed among them. So he's trying to give them the answer. Say, look, can't you see I'm an apostle? And he, then he starts talking about his rights in verses 4 through 6. He says, have we not power to eat and drink? That word power means authority. Have we not power or authority to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or, or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? Now, again, that word power, that's the plusia, which is authority or right. So when he says, have we not power to eat and drink? He said, look, don't, uh, look we're serving God here. Don't you think we ought to have our needs taken care of while we're not going hungry? Shouldn't we be, we be fed? And I know that we do that. And that's the kind of thing Paul's talking about. He's talking about taking care of his physical needs. He said, have we not the power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Now, when he says lead about a sister, he don't mean just, don't I have the right to take a woman with me wherever I want to go? That's not what he's saying. He's saying a Christian, a Christian sister in Christ who's my wife. Don't I have the? He said, "I have the right to get married if I want to. I have the right. I have the right to expect to be taken care of. I my need to take care of by the church, and I have the right to expect that if I choose to get married, and I and I marry a woman, and I take her with me, you're not only going to look after my needs, you're going to look after the needs of her too. That's what he's saying. The church ought to look after the pastor and his wife. All right. And then he and he goes on. He says that ain't just me. He said, but you know the other apostles, the other brethren of the Lord, Cephas, Peter had a wife. There you go, right there. That's for the Catholic Church, right there. Amen. They said Peter was a pope. That would mean he had no wife. They're wrong there. There you go. I knew that anyway. But anyway. And he said, only I and Barnabas have we not power to forbear working. That means we have the right to not have to go work a secular job and just serve God. We have the right to do that. But did he do that? No, he didn't. Acts 18.3 says, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, that's Priscilla and Aquila, and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. So <clears throat> verse 11 tells us that he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So Paul labored while he was in Corinth for 18 months as a low-wage tent maker. That wasn't a high-paying job. That's a pretty low-paying job. And, but he, 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 he labored, working hard every day, uh, and they said he'd take sweat rags and another place, and they would give it out and take it to people uh, to, to his sweat rags somehow would do them miraculous work when they take them to him. But, but uh, so he was working hard, and he's doing all this the whole 18 months that he's there. All right. He didn't. He, he had a right. He said, "I got a right to y'all to take care of me." But instead of that, he was working, taking care of himself. But he's describing his rights as an apostle. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, now listen to what he says here. Because he's talked about his rights. He said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. I mean, not everything's good for me. Just because something's right, just because I have a right to do it, doesn't mean it's good for me to do it. He said, and I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, I mean, I'll be bound to something and be, and be servant to it. 
So let's get into this last part here, and we'll wrap this up. I know this is real exciting preaching, but hey, you got to get through it. Amen. It's in the Word of God. Uh, so this is the part I know everybody's going to really love. This is the part of the priesthood's duty to financially support his ministers. Verse 7 said, Who goeth a warfare at any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not the fruit thereof? And who feedeth a flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? So Paul gives them an analogy here. Says, says, think about a soldier. Think about a soldier. He goes off. He leaves his wife. He leaves his children. He gets on a boat or gets on an airplane. He goes halfway around the world fighting, crawling through jungles, walking through deserts, whatever he has to deal with, rainforest, wherever he's at, fighting in a mansion, barely living on meager provisions and all that, and he comes back home, I mean, comes back home and they send him a check for all that he gets through. I mean, not send him a check, but they send him a bill. This is what it costs for you to go off to war. you got to pay the bill. That sounds pretty lousy, wouldn't it? All, all these food rations we gave you, you got to pay for them. You got to pay them back. Your uniform, all the bullets you shot, hand grenades you threw, rocket launches, all that. Hey, that, hey, that helicopter ride you took back to the base, got to pay for that fuel, send you a bill for all of it. Nobody goes to war with their own charges. That's what it means. Nobody goes. And, and not only that, what do we do? When they come back from the war, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to take care of their medical care. Why? Because they gave of themselves. They risked their lives for our country and our freedom. So we should take care of them, right? I don't have a problem supporting the VA hospital. They're going to do a good job. I have no problem with us taking care of our veterans because they served us and they gave of themselves. Right? Okay. Well, the very same thing. Hey, listen, I'm giving them myself to serve you, to take care of you. All I'm asking is you do the same in return. And then he uses the, 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 the gardener, the planter of the vineyard. He said he eats of the fruit. I mean, who in the world plants a garden and just looks at it? <laughs> when that thing arrives, I'm going to get me a bite of that. Amen. That peach on that tree looks mighty juicy. I guarantee you, when that thing gets ready to fall off, I'm going to snap that thing off and we're going to find out how good it is. Be pretty lousy to grow your stuff and never get to eat any of it. Sound like somebody growing a garden over in communist China or something. But thank God we don't live there. Amen. And then he uses the illustration of a shepherd. He said, who feedeth a flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? Again, a Christian minister is a soldier. He's fighting the battles of the Lord, fighting the battles of his church. He's a laborer in the vineyard of Christ. He's cleaning, watering, pruning, training. And he's a shepherd. He's watching over the sheep and lambs of his flock, seeking the wandering, correcting the rebellious, leading, feeding. Etc. Verse 8 through 10, he says, Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also. Not, he's not, this, is not my, this is not my opinion. This is what the Old Testament, the law of Moses says also. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our, for our sakes, no doubt, this is written that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. So he, this is coming from the Mosaic Law. This comes from the Law of Moses. The ox, that's, I mean, you got a farmer, he's working an ox, he's got an ox, and he's treading out the corn. In other words, they're harvesting the corn. They don't put a muzzle on that ox. 
keep going through there. If he gets hungry, he's going to stop here corn and keep walking. Keep pulling that plow. Keep pulling that pressure. Whatever he's pulling. Well, I mean, what, I mean the, the, the combine, whatever he's got behind him. He's working it. Hey, he's hungry. He just gets him a bite. And that's the way That's the way God set for them to do in Deuteronomy 25.4. Why? Because that's the only right way to do things. And so, again, but he uses this. When he uses this, he's not talking about cattle. He's talking about servants of God. He's talking about, he's talking about, uh, you know, it's talking about men rather than, than animals. So when the, when the again, when the he's taking care of. That's what, that's what the Bible's trying to intimate here. And then you have the priests and the Levites. If you want a comparison, a parallel to it, you have the priests and the Levites. What did they live on? They lived on the face of the temple. They didn't have a farm somewhere that they were trying to raise their crops and take care of their stuff. They didn't have any of that. They didn't have a business outside of the Lord's work. No, they simply worked in the Lord's work. And when the offerings were brought into the temple, uh, the, the meat offerings and things of that nature, they took a portion of that for themselves. That's what they ate off of. So they ate some pretty good food, but they were the best of the best to start the temple. So they ate off of the food of the temple. They got needed from the offerings of the temple. So it was all taken care of, and they were there working for the Lord. So, again, they were supported out of the offerings of the people, so that's the way that God set it up for in the new dispensation that it ought to be taken care of as well. So you have a, you have Paul's opinion on it, you have the Mosaic Law, and then you just have plain common sense. Verse 11, he says, If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? It's reasonable that those who give up their time, their energy, and their gifts to the service of the Lord and their church ought to be supported by it. And it's seen even more so when we remember that what's received by the church is of infinitely more value than what is given by the church. Again, he said if we've sown unto you spiritual things, if you're receiving spiritual things, Spiritual things are a whole lot greater value than carnal things, right? The truth of God is more important than money and things of that nature, all right? So the church doesn't lose, the church gains. Verse 12, and we're going to wrap it up right here. Paul said, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, what is Paul saying? Paul saying you should take care of it. I, I really, I mean, you really, you should be making care, making sure my needs are met. He's saying, but I'm not doing that. Now, why did he? Why did he do that? I think there's a couple reasons, but I think the main reason is because. He didn't want them to feel like they had some kind of power over him because they certainly were the type of people who, who felt important, self-important. And so they, they would have took every advantage to say, well, we're giving you this or we're doing that for you, so we ought to have some authority. But he said, he said listen, others, he, he said, others have to be partakers of this power over you. I mean, listen, I mean, we can look at it today and say, you know, the life company has that power over you. Well, I come and you get their service, you get their electricity, and you don't mind paying them for electricity. And the, the water power, uh, water company, they, they they pipe that water in, and you don't mind taking care of the 
ash in the water. But anyway, I'm not trying to fuss at you. I'm just trying to use the scripture to give you some idea of what he's saying here. And he's saying, listen, if, if, if they provide service to you and you take care of them, he said, that's what I'm doing too. Except I'm giving you something that money can't buy. But he said, I'm not, I'm not going to use that power. He said, but I'm going I'm to suffer all things. Lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. He, because, because that church was so fragile spiritually, they were so fragile emotionally that they weren't able to bear the weight of this responsibility. So Paul took it off of them, and he did it all himself. And he said, I got that right. But just like, just like he said, you know what, I won't eat no meat as long as the world standeth. He was saying, you know what, y'all ain't going to have to pay me nothing because I'm, 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 I ain't gonna, I'm not going to have you looking at me like, like I'm beholden to you. So I'm, so I'm going to take care of myself. Amen? Now, what do I get out of this?